Welcome back into one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. I'm Andrew Galata alongside Jack Roach, and we're joined by writer and editor Matt Caputo. He's worked with Slam, The Daily News, Men's Fitness, The Queen's Ledger, just to name a few. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Andrew Galata, huh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> low blow, huh? I guess you don't get the reference. Do you know that Andrew Galata was a big heavyweight in the 90s? I didn't. Really? Yeah, absolutely. He's a Polish no guy. Wow. He's a Polish guy from Chicago, and he famously got disqualified not once but twice against Riddick Bowe from Brooklyn, and he was known as a notorious fowler. But really? He, had, uh, he, he, was, he was a very tough heavyweight in his time. Same spelling of, of, of hmm. your name and everything. The exact same everything. Wow, you don't get that a lot because it's, it's not know, like I don't know how nobody told you this. Been, yeah, no one told me this. Oh I, I guess I guess boxing is I don't know. Uh, that's, that's, realm, huh? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, oh, that's really interesting, though. I mean, I, I, I do want to start off, obviously, you know, not with fighting and that stuff, but there's a fighting component and that's the hockey. Okay. And I, I, I want to talk about the Stanley Cup, obviously, just ending the Islanders coming so, so close to a Stanley Cup appearance, obviously losing one nothing in that Game 7 loss to the Lightning in the conference finals. And, you know, you saw the Lightning take care of the Canadians pretty easily in five games, and it looks like they had a nice handle of that series. So I wanted to ask, how big of a what-if is this season for the Islanders, just the way it was ending and how the Stanley Cup went and just how close they were, and then to see the, the Lightning just, you know, uh, take care of the, the Canadians handedly it must for the islanders hurt well uh it's a good question i think that the biggest what if for islander fans probably had to do with what if tampa bay had been penalized for circumventing the cal- uh, salary cap but listen you know uh i've been following sports and hockey my whole life and i think no matter what it is, whether it's the NBA, the major leagues, the Yankees were great at it for years. As the playoffs go on, the team that looks like the deeper team is going to win. Uh, I mean, this is almost a given all the time, especially in hockey. The Lightning were really deep. There were a lot of vets out there. There were a lot of super talented younger guys. You had the changing of the guard very much in the goaltending position, basically between the, the two teams. and and Carey Price and Vasilevsky. You also had Stamkos, you know, at 100%. I'm not, listen, it was a great run by the Islanders. We are a very tough team. If, if you're an Islander fan, uh, that's what you say, you know, but uh, Tampa Bay was just really talented. I mean, look at some of these guys on their roster, you know, um, experienced guys like like Blake Coleman that, that stepped up and, and, and different guys coming up at different times. This happens all the time. You look at that St. Louis team, very deep team. You forget St. Louis a few years ago had not only Maroon, but they had at the very end of the bench, I think it was Delzato, all these guys just kind of black aces waiting in the wings. So I, I think Tampa Bay, it wasn't a huge shock to me, but uh, listen, you know, different set of circumstances. Obviously the Islanders probably had a, a different, different shot. We're coming up on the NHL expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken being introduced to the league. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on how this is going to affect the team like the Islanders and what kind of tough decisions they're going to have to make on protecting players. Well, I think they're already trying to get 
something in return for the guys that they might leave exposed. I think the biggest guy would be Nick Letty, maybe. You know, and I think on the on the New Jersey Devils side, I mean, people were talking about it two years ago. It would be PK Saban if if he's if he's if he's exposed uh, in the draft. So. Listen, everybody's going to lose somebody. The Islanders are a hot target right now. Um, I don't know if uh, it came up beforehand, but I did get to take a look at the new arena at Belmont Park a few weeks ago. And I think that this is a game changer, especially if you're a mainstream sports fan. Let's say you're a fan of the teams that play at Madison Square Garden or you're a fan of the Yankees. You're going to finally see that the Islanders are going to be on all of those teams' levels. As a matter of fact, they're going to have a nicer place than most of those teams now. It's not going to be what it was in the past, that the Islanders were kind of in a second-rate arena and, and, and not an option for free agents. Listen, Long Island loves hockey. You saw it the last few years. People who hadn't cared about the team in 30 years are trying to tell you that they were there the whole time, which is a lie. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, listen, you, you guys are probably, you know, I'm going to age myself here. You guys are probably even too young to remember when the Islanders wore those crazy jerseys with the yeah. fishermen's yeah. on the front. I, I, I was in junior high. It was the hardest time to be a, an Islanders fan ever. I mean, literally, the abuse in and out of school was not, was not fun. But, you know, they persevered and they came through. And I always said, not just as an Islander fan, but as a fan of hockey and a fan of the NHL, at times, um, if the Islanders ever got it going again, there'd be big trouble for all the other teams. Uh, the Devils, the Devils still have a lot of people that kind of consider themselves New York fans. You know, the Rangers. Uh, I think that the Rangers are inaccessible to some people, and the Islanders have kind of always been this open door. Come to the game, please. You know. And now, and now it's totally turned in, 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 a, in a sense. This arena is going to be a game changer. I know they were talking about um, the big guy from St. Louis. I think his name is Tarashenko yeah. from St. Louis. You know, I think he's talking about uh, being open to being tra traded to the Islanders. This didn't happen even 10 years ago. You know, the Islanders had to, had to resort to, you know, middle of the road and fringe free agents for years. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a change for sure. Yeah, as someone who grew up on Long Island, lived really close to the Coliseum, definitely one of those things where you could just oh, you could go see an Islanders game. It was always really fun. And I wanted to ask you about you know that change and also a lot of changes over on the roster just because you know you talked about the Lightning salary cap and there you know they should have got penalized, didn't the Islanders have their own salary cap situation? So with all the changes coming into this offseason for the Islanders between the arena and then also personnel as well. What's one thing that really sticks out to you? Is it, is it the arena just because that changes everything being maybe a little more accessible to the city and, you know, for people to just take the train out, would that be something that just larger fan base, maybe it generates more money, which then in turn could, you know, invest into the team? Well, I'll be 100% honest with you, Andrew. I think that the biggest difference maker right now for the New York Islanders is Lou Lamorello. Uh, simply put, I think that that's the biggest thing, uh, that's the biggest advantage that the Islanders haven't had in the past. It's that kind of steady management, experience manage uh, management. I'm going to tell you guys a very quick story. Uh, I heard 
through the grapevine of, I could be honest. I mean, I'm, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you guys. I'm not out at the practice of the Islanders or the Knicks or the, or the Nets or any of those teams, but through um, being a beer league hockey player, I do, I do get to know sometimes team employees and people like this. And I do hear things that come down the grapevine. So one thing that came down the grapevine, which I thought was great because it did show that not only was somebody in charge, somebody was in charge that wasn't just going to accept any arbitrary decision. So when the Islanders switched over to their new practice facility, which was built by two former Rangers, I don't know if you guys know that, Chris and Peter Ferraro, the Ferraro twins, uh, their family, if you guys know Montauk at all, their family owns Plaza Sports in Montauk. It's a surf shop. I think they changed the name now, but uh, they had that store there for maybe 50 years, 60 years. But um, long story short, the rink was built and quickly problems began. Long story short, it ended up as property of the Islanders. The Islanders took over uh, what is now Northwell Health and Ice Center. Now, this place was built by two former NHL players that still, uh, you know, could probably be playing somewhere. And that's, you know, the, those guys are probably only in their early 40s. So point being, Lou Lamarillo comes in. He's now in charge of the Islanders. And he completely changes everything except where the two rinks are in the building. He changed everything. The locker room situation, the workout types of equipment they had in the workout room. When you have this type of organization in anything, um, you might not always get the best results, but you are going to be able to keep going and, and keep a well-oiled machine, which is going to help you focus on the results. So I, I think that that's the biggest advantage. Listen, if the Islanders lose players now during this period, I'm not saying that it, it couldn't all fall apart. It, that's the reality of sports. It could fall apart. But they have Lou Lamarillo. I'm sure he has a plan. Uh, I don't think they're in danger right this second of losing Barzil or, or Anders Lee or anybody like that. So, listen, it's not the guys are expendable, but there's options out there. You mentioned those uh, beer league hockey connections. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about the Mustache Classic. I was able to, to read up a bit on that, but just for our audience, I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. Sure. Thank you for asking, Jack. Um, I started the Mustache Classic with a, a group of guys. Uh, it was kind of a mix of a group of guys that we all kind of knew each other from either playing hockey or never really met, but kind of know each other through the internet and uh, of, of beer league hockey internet, you know, so... Uh, I had a group of guys that I was playing with for a long time, over about over a year, and I had always wanted to do something for the, the Movember Foundation, right, which is about growing mustaches to recognize uh, men's health and mental health awareness. Um, I, I never really thought I would get it off the ground, to be 100% honest with you guys. It, listen, hey, we're, we're looking at the calendar for it right now. It takes a lot of work to put this stuff on, especially if you're going to get people interested in coming. But uh, we started the Mustache Classic thinking, let's just, let's get a group of guys who are going to go up to Danbury, Connecticut 
uh, I don't know if you guys know about Danbury. It's a great town to see hockey in. They have like a minor league hockey team and a junior hockey team. And so let, let's go up there. Let's rent the rink in the morning, go to lunch at TK's in Danbury. They got great wings and uh, hang out at uh, Charter Oak Brewery uh, where the service is great. The beers are great too. And they, we just kind of made it, thought we were going to make a little thing out of it. And, and the next thing you know, the first year we raised about, I don't even remember, like close to seven grand or something like that. You know what I mean? But like the impact, I got to be honest, I never thought I was going to get out of it what I did. The impact was just unbelievable. You know, um, a lot of guys came forward saying that they had connections to suicide or connections to cancer. I mean, one guy, a uh, gentleman who lives in Astoria, I mean, it's, it's really kind of changed the guy's life in some ways and 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 he's been and we, we linked up with a couple of different groups so it's kind of my guys from the city a bunch of guys from staten island who were kind of mixed in with my guys and then a bunch of guys that i know from connecticut and all over so we put the word out on the internet and the first year we just did like a quick little game and had like 30 people come we raised like seven grand i was asked by november uh, to go to ring NASDAQ's uh, bell, which was really cool. That, that was awesome. Uh, but the, the, the best thing was is that we established it that first year. And then this year, I mean, we just kind of, these guys that got involved, you know, it really has nothing to do with me after a while. So many people have connections to, to mental health and suicide and not to downplay it at all, but it's one of those things where, I just kind of lay the framework the best that I, to the best of my ability. And this year we raised over $20,000. So we went from seven grand to like 20 grand. And uh, it really was one of the best things I ever did. I could tell you two fellas that um, you guys seem like younger guys, you know, but it's like, if you can do something like this, that's a little bigger than you, you, you never know what kind of positivity comes back. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of down and out, not sure what I was going to do with myself. Uh, at the point that I started it. And the truth is that, that that corny stuff that they tell you about building your resume is true. You know, do something with a charity, you know, and, and, and ultimately I got the most reward personal, a lot of personal gratification out of it because we had so many people, a guy by the name of Mark Weiss from Staten Island and a guy by the name of Rick Ziegler from Connecticut, uh, a guy by the name of Brian Stedman from Brooklyn. It was really more of a thank you from me personally to them and a way to be like, you know what, you guys, like, you guys do so much week in, week out for, for beer league hockey. And so many guys get an escape. And, and so many guys you talk to in the parking lot, they're going through stuff, but they're having the time of their lives uh, out there. So, well, you know, it's a good thing. I, I hope to keep it going for a few more years at the very least, but uh, I, uh, it, it is a lot of work. And uh, it, it does take it does take money. So the biggest the biggest thing is is that um, you know a lot of people uh, you can go back and forth on where you get the money to do one of these things. I got most of the money from a company called Champion Elevator. That was really uh, they really felt that this was something important. And it wasn't even about getting their name out there, really. I mean, they wanted some some involvement with it, but it was really mostly, hey, what could we do to make this a reality? So without Champion Elevator and, and a few other generous people, uh, we, we wouldn't be where we are today.
So that's really an awesome story. And uh, I do, before we let you go, I, I want to put move it over to the NBA finals. And this has been to me a great series back and forth, Suns and Bucks and different. I, I love that it's different. It's not the Warriors and the Cavs. It's not LeBron and Curry. And I, I just wanted to ask you either coming into the series or just now that we're, you know, in the mi- midst of it, what's kind of one thing that's really surprised you about these two teams here as, you know, we're really now getting towards the end of the series and some big games ahead. Well, I think that what really has surprised me is the, the kind of the fight back of the Bucks here. Uh, you know, they, they were up 2-0, right? And, yeah. and, and I think when you have a group of guys that are as motivated as this Suns team is now, you know, from the GM, James Jones, uh, on down, um, you know, Chris Paul is a very competitive player. And I, and, you know, don't get it twisted guys. I'm sure you guys have played some ball, but you know, as you get further into being a professional athlete, just from what I have observed, you know, uh, it's a very intense thing to still want to win as bad as Chris Paul does. I mean, he has everything. I'll tell you guys a quick story. When I was probably a little, I don't know how old you guys are, but I was probably around your age. I interviewed Chris Paul for Vibe magazine about bowling, just about bowling. And uh, he really wanted me to know that there was no way that Darren Williams could beat him in bowling. And like, and like, like at that time, there was this weird, which, you know, nobody thinks about it that way anymore. There was this weird comparison between Darren Williams and Chris Paul, who was the best point guard that was new in the NBA that time. And there was a moment where Darren Williams was, was right there. And, you know, he, Chris was like, D will knows I'll beat him. And so he's a very, he's a, he's a very competitive guy. And when you're getting this close, I think that that's the difference maker for, for Phoenix is a, you know, some people are down. Phoenix is a great sports town. When Dan Marley and, and, and uh, Charles Barkley were playing for the Suns, they own that town. Marley, you guys don't probably don't remember Marley. Marley had a bar across the street from the Suns, like while they were going to the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like well, it was Dan Marley's. You know, so that, that's a city, you know, I, I hate to wear my um, heart on my sleeve here, but I would like, I would like to see Phoenix do something here. Just because uh, it's it's another fan base and Milwaukee as well. Milwaukee as well. It's just another fan base that you know th- this is really their winter sport. You know what I mean? And this is th- this is what the people in town follow really loyally. So it would be great to see who comes out on top in this one. Listen, Milwaukee Bucks fans are just as loyal. I mean, there's there's a lot of ties to New. I don't know if you guys know. There's a lot of ties to New York City basketball history of New York City basketball. Those two. Those two teams, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right, in his early days for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then you had a guy who you guys probably never heard of by the name of Connie Hawkins, the Hawk. And Connie Hawkins eventually played uh, for the Phoenix Suns. But he, he, uh, he had had kind of a controversy-plagued uh, prep career, and he kind of took the long route there and was kind of old by the time that he got to the Suns. But... Uh, yeah, you're talking about two great NBA franchises finally getting a chance, you know, and uh, I I think it's the most fun when two teams that either haven't won or haven't won in a while are in it because uh, I think we saw that with St. Louis and uh, 
St. Louis a few years ago, and you know, you did. Dallas was in the Stanley Cup Finals a couple of years ago. So it's just when those were, you know, I've, even Montreal recently in the in the Stanley Cup Finals, they hadn't been there in a long time. So when that happens, sports is at its best because somebody really wants somebody to win. A writer and editor who's worked with Slam, The Daily News, and much more, Matt Caputo. Thank you for joining us, Matt. Thank you for having me, guys. It was a real pleasure to tell Bobby C. that uh, here in the Wave office, we all call him Bobby Casanova. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll be right back on one-on-one -on -one at New York's longest-running sports call-in show.